You're listening to a holiday bonus episode of Working, the show about what people do all day. I'm your host, Jordan Weissman, and I thought it might be fun to talk to the guy who, for all I know, or you know, may have written the greeting card that you sent to your mom or aunt or brother or sister this holiday season. I spoke with Greg Vovos. He is a senior writer at American Greetings. They are one of the two giants of the greeting card industries. They go toe-to-toe with Hallmark. They're competing with them for shelf space in CVS and Walmart and Target and wherever else you might get your holiday cards. And I know some people may be just generally cynical about greeting cards, about the idea of companies writing these, you know, sentimental notes for people who don't necessarily know what to say themselves. But I thought this was a really fascinating conversation. It was a really earnest conversation that that taught me a lot about how much work and thought and actual sincerity does go into crafting these products. I really enjoyed this conversation. It's a lot of fun. I hope you like it too. What's your name and what do you do? Uh, my name is Greg Vovos and I'm a senior writer at American Greetings. As a senior writer, are you the person overseeing the process? Or are you the one generating ideas? What What is that role exactly? I'm generating ideas. I'm writing copy every day. That's pretty much my day job. So I'm just a senior writer because I've been here for 10 years now. And uh, just associate writer, writer, senior writer. So I'll just kind of make my way up the ladder. Okay, so that's the hierarchy. (laughs) Okay, before I get you to take me through the life of a greeting card and and how it comes about, I just want to know, how do you get into the industry? How do you become a greeting card writer? You know, it's pretty, I say it's pretty simple, but it's really not that simple. But I got into the industry by taking, you take a writer's test, essentially. Now, there are people that freelance and that can sell just individual pieces of copy. And so if American Greetings wants to buy your copy and they keep buying your copy, then at that point, maybe they would want to bring you in, you know, uh, as a contract writer, perhaps, or even on staff. But for me, I got in because my wife had just had a baby and I was a typist before that. Like I was working at a law firm, typing all day and then writing plays at night. Okay. And so the law firm's like, hey, you can go work on your own. You could work at home with your, you know, with your wife and a baby because, you know, I was able to type from home and do all that. And then one day, about a year into it, they said, yeah, we want you to come back into the office. And I'm just like, nope, I don't want to go back <laughs> in the office. So that night I started scouring the internet for um, creative writing opportunities. I really thought like, you know, I really want to find some sort of creative writing job, like never believing that could happen. But and then I came across a posting from American Greetings and sent a resume and heard back from from them much later because there's like glacial speed and then there's corporate speed of life. And uh, I finally heard back from them and they, they're like, okay, you're going to take a test. And it was over Labor Day weekend and it was just really, like it was really hard. What was on it? Like what kind of questions did they ask you? They just created all these possible card writing scenarios and that you had to write to them. So sometimes they had to write verse. Sometimes they just had to write straight up prose. When I say verse, that's our way of meaning rhyming, anything that rhymes, rhyming verse. Or they would give us a really long piece of copy and say, okay, take this 70-word piece of copy, make it 20 words, but don't lose any of the meaning. And then the opposite was true too. You know, here's 20 words, expand it to 70. And then just all sorts of emotional levels, you know, something that any a card that could be sent to anyone, to a card that is sent to someone like, you know, you have a very intimate relationship with. And so 
I had three days to do it and I used every bit of that time as I could, you know, and I just sent it out. And again, time passed. And finally I heard back from him for an interview and, uh, it was a really cool interview. It was funny because one of the guys interviewing me, he was like the happiest guy I've ever met. And <laughs> now that I've been working at the greeting card in the business for like 10 years. Like you meet a lot of people like that. And, but like that morning, his basement had flooded, like everything in his house was just in disarray. And yet he shows up to this interview and he's like, he had the best spirits. I'm just like, wow, <laughs> like, how feel- are you doing this? That guy needs to write a self-help book. Uh, <laughs> For sure. I, so you were an aspiring playwright at the time. Had you ever had plays performed at that point, or had you were you getting stuff published? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was getting a lot of productions done here in um, – I'm in Cleveland. I don't know. Like, American Greens is in Cleveland. We have a, actually a really strong theater scene. And so I got my MFA in playwriting from UNLV in Las Vegas. And at the time, I was directing a lot of plays, writing plays – teaching theater at night and just doing my day job. So my day job, as lame as it was, just <laughs> sitting around typing, I actually liked it because it didn't tax me at all mentally. Well, so this and is what I was going to ask. So I'm curious, you'd come out of the theater world and out of playwriting, which is a very mentally taxing and hard thing to do. And suddenly you're confronted by this greeting card writing test. How would you compare the mental kind of the mental work you had to do when you're, you're confronted with this test to playwriting or to the creative writing you'd done before? Yeah. In regards to the test, it was very similar. It's just that the test was way out of my comfort range. You know, it's just, it was things I just had never written really before, except for like, if I would write a message for my own wife in a card, you know, or for my mom or something like that. So uh, mentally taxing just as much, you know, just in a completely different way. It was like using different creative muscles for me. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. This is what's interesting to me about greeting card writing, which is that your job, it seems to me, is to kind of think of all the emotions you could have in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And then figure out a way to distill them in such a way that is appropriate to put on the shelves at a pharmacy or a grocery store. Um, and that's that's actually, it's really hard. That sounds really, really hard to me. <laughs> and so I, I guess my first kind of real working-esque question is just like, where do you begin? Where does the life of a greeting card start for you? For me as a writer, you know, I try to have a pretty similar routine every day. And it's it's almost like being an athlete. I get into work really early. I get into work about seven in the morning and I just start writing free writing nonsense and yeah, just anything that comes to mind like what julia cameron calls morning pages and i just pen to paper so 
you know, just kind of hands-on as possible, you know, and whatever comes into my mind. And I'll also try to spend some time, some of that time writing nonsense because I came across this really great quote from Dr. Seuss years ago where he's like, writing nonsense is one of the best ways to wake up your brain because it's just using it in ways you don't expect. And for the longest time, I was like posting on Facebook this little, my morning absurdia, which is just like pure nonsense. And I posted it on Facebook just to give me like a deadline to make myself do it. But then throughout time, I started like getting too serious about it. I was like, well, I need to craft this more. This (laughs) needs to be better. I'm like, so then I had to put it to the side because I'm like, now I'm becoming like performing. I'm like, I'm losing the sense of what I was trying to accomplish. And that was just to kind of like blow my brain up in the morning so it could be open to like any avenue of creativity possible. Uh, social media just ruins any kind of basic creative <laughs> exercise. Yeah, right. Inevitably. So. Um, do you work from any kind of a briefing book? Like, are you getting before you start writing some sort of market research that says, you know, cats are big this year or 45-year-old women want sex jokes on their birthday or something. Like, is there anything like that? Or is it really just you're kind of coming up with what sounds good to you? No, there's a lot of that, actually. Okay. And and we'll work in different ways depending on the project, you know. Okay. But we definitely get, like, kickoff documents when we kick off a writing span. Let's say for Christmas, we'll get, like, a deck, as I guess the term is these days. We'll get a deck and there, there'll be all sorts of inspiration in there. Mentions of trends, like what you're speaking of there, you know, and even language trends. And, you know, from year to year, we have different kinds of targets that we're aiming for. And each, even each writing project, you know, like, for example, the hardest thing for me to write is a birthday card. Because (laughs) why is that? Because there are only so many ways to say happy birthday, right? And it's just so wide open in general that it's almost like the thing I want to write least in the world is a birthday card. But on the same way, it's also the most challenging. So when you like kind of when I find my way into an alley that like I find interesting or entertaining, then I'm like, okay, well, that's good. But how we can do that, you just come at things differently. So I could spend a span of writing birthday cards of cards that are going to be able to be sent to anybody. And by that, I mean, like, you would feel comfortable sending it. I don't know who your boss is, but if, let's say, like, anyone be comfortable sending it to their boss or even sending it to their brother. Like, you may have a different relationship with those people, but you won't feel like, oh, this is too mushy to send to my boss, you know. Or it's also not warm enough to give to my brother. So, like, we'll spend a writing span writing that kind of copy, which is, like, really – hard to do, you know, and to keep it interesting and not repetitive and to write new things. I mean, that's like the hardest thing is to write something new. We have a database of hundreds of thousands of pieces of copy, you know, that people have been writing greeting cards for decades and, you know, and they were really good at it. And so like to come up with a new idea or really just the new way of saying something is is the greatest challenge of this job. Whenever you write a piece of copy, do you then have to go cross-check it against that old database? Sure, yeah. So, And the more you do it, you get a feel for like, it's what we call over here, it's have sim, as in have similar. We have something like that already. So like before I even submit a piece of copy, I'm expected to do that. But then, yeah. but then, you know, it gets it goes through a review process where, you know, there's people sitting in a room it's their job to sit there and read the copy, and it's basically pass 
rewrite or yes. So those people themselves have years of experience working here. So they know like they're really good at catching something like, yeah, you know, we got that. They're the institutional knowledge for like the greeting card industry. They, right. have, they they literally have to know every single cliche that's ever been written on a greeting card. Yeah, yeah. And my writing manager is amazing. Like, she remembers, like, everything. She, like, recently I, <laughs> recently I submitted something I thought was new because it was short. It's kind of punchy. And she's like, have Sim, and here's your copy. Oh, <laughs> it was, man. like, literally something I had submitted a year ago, like, uh. except for, like, one word difference. And it's just like, that's- I, I didn't. I had no idea, you know, but she's like, you wrote that a year ago. That is such a brutal edit. <laughs> yeah. have, have Sim, yours. <laughs> right. And it was like, you know, like, she's like one of the nicest people you'll meet. So it's like, if it was anyone else, I'd feel like really like hanging my head. I wouldn't be able to look her in the eye, you yeah. know. <laughs> but she's like, she's also really cool. So I know she's looking out for me. But it is. It's like, wow. Like, because I'm not one of those people who remembers anything I write. Oh, that, that's got to be tough for you. You've been doing this for 10 years, too. You've got quite a backlog, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it's like, I think it's what keeps me kind of interested in you. Like, whatever's going on in my life really affects how I come at a project. So just just not no- remembering things kind of like takes a burden off me of me thinking, well, I did this, I did that, I did this. And it's just like, kind of come in with a like, almost like a beginner's brain every day of just like, all right, we'll see what's going to happen. I want to get a little bit back to your routine. You have these briefing meetings. You're kind of, I guess that's kind of the background you're given. You're given targets for what kind of stuff you're writing. But then you get in and you start free writing. And then what happens? You start trying to kind of hone ideas for whatever the project is for that week or month or or what what then? So it's like uh, we work towards each project and each day is kind of like its own day for me as a writer. So I get in to my morning warm ups, and then I just, Whatever it is we're writing for, like if we're writing for us right now, we're writing for Christmas, right? So, which is actually kind of cool because it doesn't always line up like that. But now we're writing in season for Christmas, which is good. So my morning is just free writing targeted towards Christmas and what we're trying to achieve. And I'll just write and write and write and write and not think about it. I mean, some writers think, and I will think later, but at this point, I'm just trying to get everything possible on the page. And I'll just write pages of pages of greeting card copy. Then I'll do lunch and I'll come back and uh, bring the editor in. So for me, my morning writing is kind of very intuitively driven. Yeah. And then the afternoon is more conceptual, more editor. And then I become like a shopper. I'm at a store. I start, I read everything I wrote and see what has possibility, what has legs, or is there some some other germ there? Some other is that a is there a seed to a card I just haven't found yet? And then I'll find whatever pieces I think can be developed and built upon. And then my afternoon is all about taking those pieces, crafting them, shaping them, so then I could submit them by the end of the day, so they could be reviewed. So that's like our work in its most general writing sense. When you're writing, are you thinking about the images that go with it? Are you writing visual puns as well? Like what constitutes writing a greeting card? Is it is it just the copy or is it also like, you know, the there's a note that says Santa's going to be wearing his coat but no pants. Like there's right. on the on the front of the cover. Like how does that and then there's going to be a joke on the inside about that. How does how does that work? Yeah, so it, 
pretty much everything you can think of, it works in all those ways. Okay. So you can get art first, and then you will write towards the art, and humor writers especially. I'm a conventional writer. I write the kind of cards that most people think of when they think of greeting cards, like the cards you send to your wife, to your mom, to your dad, whatever. So you can get art first, and you write to art, but there are times where we just write copy in the kind of the vacuum of writing copy. But then what you're talking about writing puns yeah. and even visual puns, like that's things we can do on their own, on our own. Like, you know, I'll spend a bunch of time just Googling Christmas images, you know, just as a way of inspiring myself and seeing like what that is going to inspire for me. And I'll like spend a lot of time listening to Christmas carols to think like, all right, how can I take this phrase and twist it into some sort of like whether it's a pun or just kind of some sort of wordplay that has universal appeal to it, you know? Yeah. And then there are the times where we'll get like actual specific writing assignments where an editor will come to us and say, they'll send us, we'll get an actual assignment that says, okay, and we'll, I'll have like a week to write something like that where it says, okay, this is a card for a mom. We want it to be really intimate piece of copy. Really, So this is, the relationship is very close. We want it to be able to be a card that can be sent from someone who lives from far away, but not necessarily. You're like, maybe they're going to be seeing them at Christmas, but if they're not going to see them at Christmas, we want that card to also work for them. So they'll put all these like kind of parameters and it becomes like a, like a real puzzle, you know, like you want to make the card as sendable as possible. You know, like, the job, what you want to do is write a card that everyone goes to, you know, hopefully the art is really cool. Someone's in the store and they see it, they're like, hey, that looks cool. Or whatever that first line is on page, we call it page one, like the cover of the card. And so it makes them pick it up. And then when they open it, we want them to also feel like, yeah, I want to send this, not see something in the copy that will make them put it back on the shelf. Like, oh, no, I would never say that to my mom. Or uh, she's a great mom, but she's not the best mom ever, you know, or things like that. that that's really interesting. So you have to have to thread a needle. So sometimes it's yeah. really wide open. You're just coming up with ideas. And sometimes somebody is going to walk in and say, we have this very specific niche we need to fill on the shelf. Can you please do that? Right. Right. So, like, it's really cool. Like, when we kick off a span, that's when, like, you have freedom to write almost anything within always the guidelines. So what happens then, like if you think about the life of a greeting card, like it starts with copy and it starts with like art. And then we have a whole bunch of editors who are also writers themselves. And it's their job to like create the line that you will see in Target or that you'll see in Walmart or in a grocery store. And it's their job to make sure that they can have serve everyone's needs, you know, with whatever cards they have there. So that's when those specifics come in. They're like, okay, we've searched the database, but we still need to thread this needle yet. Now you have to write a specific. So they're the ones who are kind of thinking about the product line. Yes. They're writers, they're artists, and then they're sort of, you know, product managers, I guess is what I would almost Absolutely. say. And they're the ones who are like, okay, here's what the entire portfolio is going to look like this season. So oftentimes you're writing copy and the art people are doing their art. Do you guys always collaborate or do they sometimes just kind of combine the two and say, well, this copy will go well with this art that Tim put together that doesn't have too specific a meaning attached to it? Is it, you know, how, how does that typically work out? How do you get matched? So, so the editors will shop for copy. They'll They'll get the copy that they want to put in their line. They'll go into a meeting with like, I'm not even sure, like five to 10 other people, you know, artists, product management people, 
people are like planners whose job is to really be responsible for marrying the art to the copy. Now, the people who represent the art side of things are really going to fight for what art they want in there. And the people who represent the copy side of things are fighting for the copy they want in there. And they, they have to come together and collaborate and make that all work. Would you say that most of the time you don't know what the art's going to be when you're doing your copy? Yes, definitely for me. I rarely know what the art's going to be, actually. Even though like there are times where I will think about it. And even when I submit copies, sometimes I'll submit an image of like a really cute bison or, you know, like, or whatever the case may be. Anyway, I could sway their opinion in, into taking the copy, right? But generally, we do not. Now, again, humor writers, they tend to know that more. But pure conventional cards, not as much. It sounds like a humor card writer is sort of perpetually playing the New Yorker fill in the caption contest. Like it sounds like that's sort of their job. They're getting the art and they're saying, okay, how do I make this funny now? Yeah. Is that right? Or Yeah, in a lot of ways that's true. And a lot of a lot of our humor writers are also really good artists too. So they're able to do the complete package themselves. Oh, so they're basically cartoonists who will kind of do are they sort of the fact that they are the you know complete packages you put it, do they sort of have a, a special place in the industry or are they sort of just thought of as another kind of writer? They're just a different kind of writer, you know, like because we have so many platforms here at American Greetings from paper cards to digital copy to music cards. You know, like we have a mu- in-house music studio where these guys are like amazing musicians. They all have their own bands that they all play out on their own. They write music all the time, and they're also writing musical cards. Like, they come in, and that's their job is, like, they work with a couple other people who concept the whole package of the card, and then they write the music. So, like, it's almost like there's not one way to write a greeting card because we have so many different kind of channels and targets that we're aiming for. So that's why I say anything that you think is happening is probably happening on some level at American Greetings when we're making cards. So you're you're writing Christmas cards right now. I'm curious what mm-hmm. are what are the trends? What are the kinds of things you're looking to capture in your writing this year? Well, it's funny because just last week I was working with a team. When I say we never really do that, but just last week we did something. We shook up our process a little bit, and we. So I was on a team with one other writer and three designers. And our whole goal of the week was to come up with like 25 to 30 concepts of just new things for Christmas. And our focus was purely on masculine recipients. Okay. So father, brother, uncle, grandfather, nephew, just cards all the men in the for bros. That was cards <laughs> for cards, bros. Cards for bros. So 25 you know? different cards for bros for, and you guys, yeah. you're huddling in a room together. And was that, yeah. that was the assignment? Just like whatever you thought would work for that? Yeah. Yeah. And it was really cool because there's like, bunch of different teams and each team had a different focus. Some's focus was religious. Some was romantic. Ours was masculine. What does masculine mean when you're doing a greeting card? What is what <laughs> what is what makes a greeting card masculine? It's like you know, it's, it's like really the, a, the axe body spray of <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because that comes I really think of that from two ways because I think of cards from a masculine point of view of like a man will see it take it off the shelf, buy it, and send it. So, like, can I find a card that I'm willing to send to my wife and I believe, yeah, this is how I talk. This is what I sound like. I feel like this card was written by a man for a man, you know? 
And so for this particular project, though, it was a little different because when we were saying masculine in that case, we were just talking about cards that we give to men. Okay. So women could be conceivably buying these cards. So as you might imagine, there's with some of the art, there was a lot of like, there's cards about beards, you know, and there's there's a few drinking gags, of course, in there. And we did a really cool card with a bison that I think is really cool looking and just like trying to find out like new Spins on puns. Wait, you t- know? tell me about the bison. Because you've brought up the bison twice now. This I, is, I, <laughs> so I really want to know what the deal with this. What this is bison on the mind? What is the deal um, with this animal? <laughs> well, it's just because one of our artists came up with this really cool design of a bison riding a bicycle with, um, <laughs> he's got a scarf around his neck, a Santa cap. He's got a coffee. He's got like a big bunch of packages. He's just doing all this stuff and he's riding his bike and he's so completely cool looking, yeah. you know? And it's just like, especially for men, like you just want to find something that will surprise their expectations of what a greeting card looks like, you know? It sounds and like so, you, you designed a bison that a man would vaguely want to be. That's sort yeah, of that's You would. If you saw a bison, you would say, be, I want to be just like that bison. Be the bison. <laughs> be the bison, right? That's, okay. So that was – wait, wait. So what How? What was the copy on that card? Or are you allowed to tell me? I don't even know if I'm allowed to tell you. I know at this point uh, it hasn't – Break the rules. It hasn't – right. Let's see. Give me a sense of it. <laughs> it was – so the page one. So page one is short, right? Yeah. Because it's all about the design here. So it was buffalo la 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 low. Oh, Wow. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then it was just Merry Christmas to one cool bro. So it rhymed too, right? Jesus. I don't know if I'm happy that you're <laughs> laughing or not. <laughs> okay, now my caveat is that hasn't been approved yet. We'll see if they go for it. I, I'm less certain based on your laughter, but I, we'll see. No, I I enjoyed it. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> see. That's it. Like, this is kind of for guys. Like, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to surprise people with it, you know? Oh, man. What's the best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day in everyday situations. But if that's not on the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. I've used apps in the past to learn new languages, but when I came across Babbel, I wondered if it could help me refresh my knowledge of a language I once spoke well, but was now a little bit or quite a lot rusty. I have to say, I was impressed. The advanced lessons were really useful, tips and idioms that can help with in-depth conversations on topics that I can actually imagine chatting about. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, and the tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. What's more, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for working listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for working listeners, at babbel.com working. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com working, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash working. Rules and restrictions may apply. Um, so <laughs> what 
kinds of greeting cards are typically the top sellers? Are they sort of that straight down the middle fastball that you kind of described, which seems like it's your specialty, sort of the, the happy median? Or is it are they the humor cards? Are they the slightly saccharine cards? What's the bread and butter for you guys? Well, certainly like the the conventional typical greeting cards are the bread and butter. Like that's the engine that's really running things and and selling, you know, I would argue, I think, safe to say, making the most money for our company. But humor and everything else that you're seeing, all the digital stuff is how we're really growing and we're opening avenues. So when you talk about like the internet coming in and like really changing the game, you know, what we're doing digitally is what's going to keep us relevant going forward and, and getting us to grow from where we're at right now. But, you know, it just, it depends on everyone, like, and kind of on the, on the occasion as well, right? For Mother's Day, it's going to be less about humor. But birthday, humor is going to sell more. Christmas is more of a traditional holiday, but humor is still going to do well there. But, you know, Valentine's Day, you're going to get a good mix of things. So humor is always big. And it's a lot of times what people do is they'll send two cards, you know. They'll send that humor card that really speaks to that sense of humor that two people share. But then sometimes they still want to have that card that, kind of tugs at the heartstrings. But, you know, when it comes time for anniversary, you know, you're going to want to send your, whether it's your wife or your girlfriend or your husband, you're going to want to send them something that still kind of speaks to the depth of emotion. And, you know, I don't know that humor is ever going to find its way in sympathy anytime soon either. <laughs> you know? I, I don't know. I feel like gallo- like if someone were to create a line of greeting cards that's specialized in gallows humor, I know my family would be big on it. But that's like also a particularly yeah. Jewish thing. I don't know if there's like, <laughs> maybe that might be ethnic specific. I don't know. But, well, I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting to see, you know, I think, I think that's something that would be easier for a smaller house card company to pull off who's not printing as many cards as we are per you know kind of caption yeah, but a boutique there are there boutique greeting card companies sort of oh uh, yeah yeah there's tons of them and you know and there's a lot of people there's so many people that are doing great work out there so you know those like boutique companies have the luxury i think of really they can try greater risks in that kind of sense but i would never say never you know you don't know yeah you can you can never be sure where the where greeting card land is gonna or what the road is going to lead lead us, where it's going to take us. Yeah, I, just, I'm now thinking I'd really like to see a greeting card that just says, like, oi, could be worse. Like, that would be for, like, <laughs> for your for, for bereavement. Uh, oi, it could Wait. be worse. Uh, no. Hold on, let me write that down. Uh, let's see if it makes it into American <laughs> Greetings next <laughs> next, uh, next collection, right? Um, right. Yeah, let's see. I'll, anyway, I just want a little I want a little uh, note at the bottom or something, Cre- uh, credit caption. No. Um, no <laughs> obviously, I think this is my way of demonstrating in real time that your job is very hard. Um, <laughs> that, but you know what? Yeah. It's funny because like that's like part of the process, really. It's like a lot of times when I'm writing for anything, I spend a lot of that time writing stuff that's really like sometimes dark or funny or ridiculous that I know it's just like there's no way, <laughs> you yeah. know, like but you kind of have to that's part of the process to get you or to get me to where I need to go. And sometimes like really good cards will come out of that. You know, it's just like, it's just, you flip it, you know? And and I'll bet you a lot of our humor writers, they read the conventional copy and they just turn it on its head. And it's really kind of hilarious. Do you have a, do you have a desk drawer somewhere of the stuff that you've had to kill or like the ones you're like, there's no way. Yeah. You know, I do have a file of my rejected copy that, I would revisit again, maybe, if I could. <laughs> it's, 
And um, if you're ever starting never... your own boutique house, you can maybe think about right, that. right. Yeah, okay. But you do have. You those. know, it's funny. I remember my rejections better than I remember my acceptances. Oh, interesting. Like, by f- you know, like well, that's because everyone a... remembers failure. Like that's that's sort yeah. of we all. <laughs> right? That's just natural human emotion there. It is. And it's so horrible because I see like my son's 12 and I see him like beating himself up and I'm thinking, don't beat yourself up. Be positive. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> yeah, right. it's just like me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? It's like I'm raising a writer. Right. So, I mean, you have to write for holidays. You have to write for birthdays. You have to write for Mother's Day. What is your favorite period or thing to write about? What Do you have one? Is there a, is there a time of the year yeah. or event that you, you prefer? I definitely... And historically, have always liked writing romantic copy. So that's, that sounds like a tricky one. That's where you're like really. That's you have to walk a fine line. How do you? So why do you like? Yeah. How do you go about that? And why do you like it so much? You know, I just I think about my wife a lot when I write greeting card copy. When I write romantic copy, and so like she's a really good inspiration for me. Like really on all levels because like when you write romantic copy. I mean, like all copy, but romantic, sometimes you're like going kind of like full throttle romantic, right? Yeah. But there are also times and there are relationships and there are times in people's lives when the greeting card has to acknowledge that like things aren't maybe the best right now. So how do you write a write a piece of copy that can like truthfully get at that? but still be a card that is worth sending to your significant other. And I'm just kind of always consistently fascinated with romantic relationships and how people negotiate the struggle (laughs) of love in America today. That's that's really interesting, though. So what kind of emotional valence are we talking here? Like, you know, have you, I mean, let me ask specifically, have you ever written copy for someone who may have been through a a near divorce or a you know going through couples therapy type stuff is that is that a greeting card that you've had to do or absolutely yeah so that's and that's how we keep it like so things feel like they're new right we come at different situations to write about so like it's just you know in general it's a relationship that's going through struggles so the the trick is like you're not going to necessarily call out that they are going through counseling, right, yeah. in the card. Because we don't, you know, like I definitely a man doesn't want to call that out in the card. A woman might be more likely to actually do that than a man will. But what you want to do is write a piece of copy that is perfect for that couple. So when that when someone sees that, they're like, yeah, this speaks to what we're going through. And so maybe it's the couple struggling financially. Maybe they're struggling emotionally. Maybe they're struggling with their kids, it could be a number of different things, and you can write one piece of copy that could cover all that, and it's tricky. Is, you know, I was going to say, can you give me an example of the sort of copy that would do that? What kind of message covers all that territory? Yeah, I can't think of anything right off the bat, honestly, because my memory is horrible. <laughs> but it's just kind of the idea of like difficult times, you know, like yeah. – and so when you think of, of a greeting kind of card – Sailing over troubled of, waters type stuff. That, yeah. yeah. And it's like a, it's a moment in time too. You know, it's not the – like the card speaks to right now. So in a sense that like you could be like life has thrown us a lot of curveballs or a lot of – you know, throughout the last couple of months. But throughout it all, we've been there with each other handling obstacles together. And I believe that, you know, that will strengthen us in what lies ahead. Or whatever depends on the angle you want to take. Is it a hopeful approach to the future or is it just a pure recognition of it's been tough right now, but I really believe in us and 
the history we have and I believe in what's coming next. You know, so it's that kind of thing. So it's what we call like universal specifics. It's a sense of things that everyone can relate to, but it's not so specific that people say, no, card's going back in the rack. You know, our kids are just fine or we're not struggling financially or, you know, we didn't cheat on each other. We're just (laughs) not communicating enough, you know, or whatever the case may be. What you're describing kind of brings me to another question I've been wondering about, which is how do you think about cliches, right? Like it seems like part of the greeting card writer's job is to kind of dance on the edge of a cliche often. But like at the same time, you have to hope to avoid it, right? So like, how do you, I guess, do you embrace the cliche? Do you try to run away from it? How do you, how do you interact with that? (laughs) How do you think about that issue? Um, It's interesting. I try to avoid it as much as I can, but I wonder what would happen if I tried to embrace it more, where it would lead me, you know? Because it's going on a greeting card and people are going to put money down for it, you know, it's really important that we're giving them something new. It's like it's like the hardest part of the job is to come up with something, some way new to say something. So the thing about cliches is there's like a kernel of truth, of universal truth in that, right? And that's why people respond to them. But then you cannot get to that point where people are just like, oh, God, you know, they're just so forget about it kind of attitude about it. So you got to recognize that it's there. It's a danger. It's lurking there. So I think you you play with it and you see if you can it can lead you anywhere. But I don't worry about it too much because I know those people in the review room, if they even smell it or think it's too much. They'll just be like, yep, nope, forget about it, you know, and which is kind of a like safe. It's a good feeling as a writer to know that you have these people also looking out for you because they're looking out for the company. They're looking out for the recipient. They're looking out for the sender. They want the best message out there. So there's a lot of people who are thinking about every word, you know. It's really interesting to hear that because I think a greeting card cynic. Right. Let's call it a cynic, an anti-greeting card type. And there are those out there. What they usually say is, oh, that's a cliche. That's just a hallmark phrase. That's, you know, it's not a real sentiment. And so much of your job is actually trying to say, no, we've we know we've done so much of this. We've tried to say all the things that can be said. And we're still trying to do new spins on it. It's actually you have a whole infrastructure designed to not repeat yourselves as much as possible. And and that's that's something people just wouldn't really consider when they're looking at that shelf. Yeah, absolutely. Because, look, we want people to pick up the car and be like, wow. Wow, this relates to me. This is what I want to say to my spouse. This is what I want to say to my brother-in-law who lost his sister. You know, and I think about them, you know, I think about 500 days of summer. And I think about that scene where he just loses his mind, you know, and he's like, this is all bull crap. You know, we're all a bunch of phonies and, you know, life is horrible. (laughs) He's going, you know, it's like it's the obligatory speech in a movie about greeting cards, right? Yeah. But on the same point, like what he's railing against is exactly what we're striving to do is to not write things that are bullcrap, you know, the things that are real, like things that people are like, yeah, this is this is how I feel. Yeah. And, and you know, it seems like part of it is you're writing for people kind of by definition who haven't necessarily always figured out how to express their own feelings. Not everyone is super voluble and not everyone is, is you know, hyper articulate and spends all their day just thinking about how to rearrange words. Like <laughs> That's or how to say yeah. new or interesting. Th- like not that's not everybody. And someone, you know, having putting something on a page where they can actually recognize their feelings. That's tough, which I guess another thing I, I have to wonder is when you're picturing 
the person you're writing for. I guess it, it must change. But like, do you have kind of stock characters in your head who you're imagining when you're writing, like kind of the man on the street or the man at the Walmart? No. Um, you know, the only time I really think of people is like I said, when I'm thinking about my wife and I'm writing like intimate romantic copy that I know is going to be a big seller and make, you know, people feel, ah, oh, kind of a copy. But beyond that, like a great, I love this, um, a woman who used to work here, a tool she taught me was like, she would scour just the internet for photos of people in real life situations. And she did this whole writing project where she came up with like 50 different photos of people. And we each had to like write copy for all those photos, you know, just looking at that photo of mine of that particular person. And it was so awesome because it was such a wide spectrum of people, like all walks of life. And like you would look at each picture and it wasn't a post picture. It was kind of real. So like you kind of like got this emotional story about who this person was. So I would go back to my cube. I'd really like kind of write a story about who that person was. Then I would think about, okay, now what's going on in their life? Who are they now sending a card to and what's going on in that person's life? So you like try to get really specific about it initially. And then I would look at that copy and say, all right, is this too specific? Like it's only like 10 people would need this card. How can I take it and make it so it it feels universal, but it has that really kind of just for me kind of feel. So when you go to a store, we want you to feel like this card was written for me. But we want a lot of people to feel that way. And so the way to do that is to come at it by really thinking about different people. And so, like, if I know someone has lost someone and we're writing sympathy, I'm going to think about that person directly. If I'm writing birthday and I know people celebrating birthdays, I'll think about those people. So you come at it from actually picturing people. You think about the relationships they have. You know, how close is the relationship? How troubled is the relationship? How old are the people? Am I writing a card that I want a 19-year-old to pick up from the shelf and buy? Or am I writing a card for that 19-year-old's mother to pick up and send to that 19-year-old? You know, you really think about generations and people in that sense. And that's really how language trends come into be. And so that's where like social, that's where like social networks are great. You know, you could go on to Twitter, you could go on to Facebook, you could go on to Instagram, you could go on to Pinterest and see how people speak. And then it's kind of like, it's kind of our job just to write like them, but better. Yeah. I you see know, it. that's conversational writing now. Exactly. It exists on the internet. And so you kind of have to immerse yourself in it. And so like Facebook ease, and, I guess, right? Yeah. And that's like, so when you get back to like people saying cliche and like, oh, that's cliche. Like we, that's one way we really don't, we don't want it to sound cliche. You know, like we want it to sound conversational, but conversational in the sense that also, someone had a lot of time to spend on writing these 42 words, yeah. <laughs> you know, so so it does feel that way, but it's even better. There might even be some like hidden structure in there, like a, some sort of re- refrain structure going on in there or something like, but we also will try to mask it. So like, it just feels good. Like I spent a lot of time, like I did a writing, a writing week on like breaking down how great speakers, r- great speeches, like different linguistic 
devices that, that are used in speeches, you know, like, then how can we take that and roll it in the greeting cards? So you could take what is conversational language and use these structures. And it's like, hey, that's pretty good. You know, suddenly the greeting cards start to sound suspiciously like either a Barack Obama or, or Beto O'Rourke speech. <laughs> right. You know, Barack Obama's not such a bad guy to like look to for inspiration when it comes to yeah, right. how to get writing meaningful messages. Right. I, I, I was just thinking about how you brought up your wife again. And it is interesting to me that someone who buys a greeting card you wrote like a romantic greeting card is in, it sounds like is to some extent buying your words to your wife. Like that is sort of right. Like that is something nobody would really think about, but you're actually picturing your, your spouse and you're trying to write something for her. And then you're, I guess to some extent, just broadening out a little bit, but it's something Mm -hmm. that you would, I guess, sincerely say to the love of your life. Yeah. I mean, you said you don't try to think of specific people too often, but are there other cases where you're writing cards and you do think of a friend or a family member specifically who's going through something and you try to write something for them that you could then sell to more people? Or Definitely. Yeah. I mean, like my life is my greatest source for like material because we're just writing for people, right? And when you're trying to write on a level that's going to reach a lot of people, what we share internally and emotionally is just it's very much the same despite the many different beliefs we may hold as people, but at our emotional core and when it just comes down to feelings and like wanting to be loved or wanting to make people feel good or just communicate how much someone can make us feel, like these kinds of feelings translate across the board and we all have people in our life who we feel close to and we have people we feel like well we have to give them a card but we're not (laughs) we don't necessarily admire them yeah but we still need to recognize them on this occasion like and so i can draw on someone from that in my own life and so someone who's got to get a card for some then in their life will look at that and say hey yeah that that speaks to me so yeah you i look at people in my own life i look at athletes i look at like young people who are like you know, like young leaders, like 18, 19, 20-year-olds who are like speaking for their generation right now. I'll look at people in their 80s and 90s. I'll read old speeches, anything, you know, like anything I can read that will hopefully perhaps just spur an idea, you know, because like, that's ultimately it is like finding idea after idea. What is a long piece of copy for you? Yeah, that's getting shorter and shorter. There was a time when a long piece of copy would have been 100 words. Anything over 50 words is by definition long. But then, you know, five years ago, I would say 75 words, you could see that. Now it's more like 50 words is kind of at our max level for long pieces of copy. Oh, wow. So we're really, things are getting shorter and shorter. And longer pieces of copy genuinely tend to be verse, like rhyming verse that really allows for, you know, allows for you to play with language for and for people to go on the ride longer because they'd like to see like, how long can you make this verse rhyme, sound conversational and make people feel good? Like you're aiming for a lot of targets. There is a lot of like a ton of craft involved in writing a piece of rhyming verse that people would not even imagine. Like writing verse, nothing makes freaks me out more than getting a specific that says verse on it. Oh, really? Like, oh, no, give give it to Lisa. She's a master, you know? So 50 50 to 75, let's say. But like, and also intimate. Like when you're writing like a copy for relationship that for someone that you want it to be really 
deep, from the heart, emotional, really just lays everything out there, then those pieces of copy can go longer. Yeah. And you have to do it in tweet. You're essentially doing it tweet length at 50 to 75 words. Like that's that's kind of to get a sense of how long does it take a card to sort of from start to finish? Like what is the general timeline for, for a card? Let's say about a year. Really? Roughly a year from start to finish. I mean, that could change. There are some spans from concept writing to production can happen. They've happened within a matter of, I think, like weeks. But those are very few and far between. But when it, the life of a card from writing it to editors building their line to it going out to production and actually being made and then being shipped out into the stores and put on the racks, I think it's safe to say about a year. And how many cards do you personally write in a year? I write a lot of pieces of copy. <laughs> how many? Uh, how many? How many final cards will you produce in a year? I don't know. You know, I honestly don't know. I I don't follow it really. I mean, like I get a, like hundreds of pieces of copy that get accepted throughout the year, and then where it ends up, I don't know. And I don't follow it that closely. Interesting. So, and some people do. I'm just like one of those writers who really doesn't want to know. Huh. And like we'll have meetings where it'll be like they'll roll out like what did well for Christmas, you know, what did well for Valentine's. And then that's when I'll see when my pieces are in, if they're falling into that category. But I don't go online and follow the history of a card. Now, some writers do that, you know, but I'm not so one of So you're not someone who's like, you're not someone who feels compelled to see what the absolute final product for your card looks like. I mean, do you do you get to see every version with the copy and the art on it? Yeah, it's totally available for me to see it. If I see it, I want to see it in a store. Like, here's what I'll do. Like, tomorrow, or maybe even today, is I'll go into our database and and I'll search for copy that I wrote for Christmas Wife. So I'll see, oh, okay, what? which of my cards are now out in the stores that I can buy and give to my wife? Oh, that's really fun. So, cause, <laughs> that's really fun. Because I pretty much always want to give my wife a card I wrote. But every once in a while, I will purposely not do that just to keep, kind of keep her on her toes. So she's like, did you write this? I'm like, no, for sure I did not write this card. Do you ever quiz her and ask, like, do you think I wrote this one? No, but she, it's, she's pretty great because she's like, I, I think you wrote this card. It's a really good – like, she'll buy a card for someone, for her mom or something. She's like, I know you wrote this card. And I'll be like, well, I didn't write it, but I'm glad you think I did. <laughs> but the best was when I first started working at American Greetings, she got me a card for my birthday. And I opened it up and I started reading it. I'm like, I wrote this card. And I'm like, not only did I write, write this card, but I wrote it for you. And it was then an editor tweaked it a little bit. So instead of it going from husband to wife, it went from wife to husband. So I was like, wow. Like that, I was like, I immediately felt like, yeah, I could be a greeting card writer. If my wife's buying the card, then I can be a greeting card that's writer. A, that's a telepathic link there. Right. That is impressive. Um, <laughs> we should all strive for that sort of emotional connection. Um, <laughs> right. Are there any just like, acknowledged masters in the field. Are there any greeting card writers out there who's like, that's the uh, Arthur Miller of greeting card writing? <laughs> right? There are. And, you know, you could look at it in terms of eras, you know, or, or in decades. There's like, especially back in the old days when they wrote in rhyming verse so much. Like, there's a big bulk of it. And like, the Lou Beskins of the... There's this one woman who always like, oh, that's a Lou Beskin copy. Because it was just... She just wrote this copy that was just like incredible. It was, it was like set to standard for rhyming verse. And like, and there's a woman, she recently retired and 
when I think of rhyming verse, I think of Anne McAvoy. I mean, this woman, she can write anything and like, it's scary. Like she could probably, she could probably have carried on this conversation with you in verse if she wanted to. Like, like that's how scary good of a verse writer she is. So like, and you can look like, I, I mean, the names wouldn't mean much to you, obviously, but like there are like just people throughout the history of American greetings. You're like, they are true masters. And they were just, just so dedicated to the craft and they just love to write greeting cards, you know? And like, you know, here's the thing about greeting cards. Like, it does get this, like, <laughs> this bum rap sometimes. Like, people are like, oh, you write greeting cards. Did you write any cute little rhymes today? You know, like, yeah, I wrote some cute little rhymes <laughs> today, you know. But, like, that's not what it is at all. Because, like, the great thing about a greeting card is it's, like, still the one chance that we as humans have to, like, Give something to someone else and say, I'm just going to lay out all my feelings for you right now. And it's not even going to seem weird. It's almost expected. Like it's our anniversary and it's expected and welcome for me to just kind of like go off and say what I think about you. And I'm really going to appreciate reading that. And I'm going to be feel glad that like, I know this is how you feel about me all year long. But because life's so crazy and we're like just trying to make everything work be- between our our jobs, our kids, and whatever craziness has happened, we feel these things all the time. But we never say it because we don't have time. And because maybe if we did, you might look at me like, "Are you starting to lose it? Why are you <laughs> Why are you talking to me like that?" But then, like the greeting card comes along, and we expect that, and we want that, and you know, like. That's why this job is so cool is knowing like I could be part of those moments where I'm going to spend a lot of time trying to really decipher what it is that you want to express to the person who means the most to you. And I want you to be able to take that card and feel like, yeah, this is how I feel. And maybe I'll, I'm going to add a little phrase at the end to totally make it my own, you know, but I'm going to give it to my husband, my wife, my son, my mom, whoever, and I'm going to feel really good about that. So like, that's the great thing about doing this. How do you keep track of the competition? I walk into a competitor store and I'll just <laughs> sit there and shop and start reading cards, you know? And Or at, if I'm at CVS, I'll just run over to the card aisle and see what they're doing. And of course, you know, that's that's just what I personally do. That's And, you know, they're watching what we're doing. We're watching what they're doing. Um, but, you know, I just want to, we want to stay ahead, you know? I just want to come up with new ways to say things and just aim for different messages that are not yet out there. And part of that means, what are they writing? But it's funny, I'll walk into one of their stores and I'll be in there for a while and then I'll start to leave and the woman working there is like, oh, did you not find what you wanted? (laughs) Like, no, I'm going to have to go somewhere else and find what I wanted this time. (laughs) Sorry, Hallmark. (laughs) Sorry about about that one. Um But you know, it's you know, it's inspiration, it's it's awareness. It's just like what you do, you know, like you don't know what's going to un- unlock something. And I, it worries me cuz I don't want to repeat what they're doing. I want to be fresh, but at the same point, you just got to know what people are doing. Yeah. So I'm just curious. Um are you still writing plays? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I write plays every, you know, I I write all the time. I get up really early and I write plays. I work on my theater and then I head off to work and write greeting cards. And you're 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 balancing these two types of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. So they're you know, they're completely different in terms of like the end product, 
but they inform each other in a huge way. You know, like plays obviously are about people, they're about characters, they're about life struggle. And so the way, same way I get into character for a play I'm writing on, it's just like when I'm writing a card that I know someone's going to buy, I think about the person who's buying that and I think about the person they're sending it to. And like we were talking about things being conversational, you know, playwriting is just that has trained me to be such a much better greeting card writer because as a playwright, you're always conversational. You yeah, know, it's nothing it's, but dialogue. It's nothing but dialogue. And like for plays, like my plays, I'm so I'm a much better cutter of my plays as a greeting card writer because, man, I could just I, – I'll get in there with a real sharp knife with my dialogue because I've been writing – you know, I could get an assignment that's – from greeting cards, that's like 10 words or less, seven words or less. So, but yeah, I definitely am still writing plays and they're still getting out there and people should go see them. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, this has been a really fun conversation. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you for the laughs. That was, that was good. (laughs) I'm glad you laughed. Thanks. It was great. I was worried. I'm like, how am I going to talk about greeting cards for an hour? That's it for this holiday bonus episode of Working. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. And if you've got questions, comments, thoughts, ideas for greeting cards, send me an email, working at slate.com. As always, Working is produced by Jessamine Molly. And a special thank you to Justin D. Wright for our ad music. Catch you on Sunday for one of our regularly scheduled episodes where we'll be going back to the Museum of Modern Art. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.